Hi, friends. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors. wanted to give you a disclaimer about this episode of the Noble Man podcast. I need to apologize in advance for the quality of the audio. Our production guy, Todd Christian, wasn't available, so I tried to wing it in the studio by myself, and I didn't get things exactly right. Who's surprised? Do you remember that Bible story about when King Saul was tired of waiting for Samuel and he took things into his own hands? He, he was both the king and the priest, and he really got in some trouble. That's kind of how I feel right now. I screwed it up. We think the content is solid, so we're still posting it. Ed Gomes made some awesome points about discipling faithful men. So it's still worth listening to, but we recognize the audio quality is not up to our standard. We think we've learned a few lessons here. Or actually, I think I've learned a few lessons here. So thanks for listening to the Nobleman Podcast, guys. Have a great day. Welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors, and we are here for episode 29, The Noble Man Invests in Faithful Men. And so we're starting a new series for the month of October on this idea that noble men invest in other men. We're basing this on 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul says to Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also faithful men. And our guest for today is Dr. Ed Gomes. Uh, Ed is the chaplain for the Liberty Flames football team, and he is a guy who invests in other men, looks for those faithful men. So, Ed, welcome to our podcast. We're so glad to have you. Good to be with you, Mike. Excited about this time together. It's, uh, it's a whole bunch of fun. I, I tell you, um, I, I talk to so many folks, and, and I say Ed Gomes has one of the greatest jobs in the world being the chaplain to the Liberty Flames football team. Um, and so tell us tell us a little bit about where you are in life, because I know you've got a long history with Liberty. I know that you've got family there, and, and then you've got this, this responsibility, this job, this calling to invest in the football team. So just give us a little bit of that background. Well, uh, Mike, I got saved uh, uh, my junior year in high school. I've uh, never been the same since. I was 17 years old. And I just celebrated a birthday uh, this past month, number 67. Wow. And, uh, but uh, I remember that day like it was yesterday. And so I've been married uh, to my wife, Ruth, for 43 years. Uh, the best thing I told my wife, the best thing that happened to me, other than Jesus, was uh, finding my wife. And uh, That's a wise yeah. saying. Oh, you got that right, brother. <laughs> I told my wife, if I had known what was in that basket, I think I would have chased her a lot earlier. <laughs> uh, we have two children, uh, Joshua is, uh, and Priscilla, and both are married. Uh, they have uh, two. Uh, they both have two uh, children, so we have four grandchildren, and they, they call me pops, and That's I'm awesome. loving it. In fact, uh, my son Josh and his wife are actually in Lynchburg. Uh, they were in uh, Thailand for four years teaching. Right. Uh, her daddy passed away a year or so ago, and so they've been in Pennsylvania. But now. Uh, they've actually got jobs here at Liberty, so they're living with us until they find a place. So I'm enjoying, <laughs> enjoying the grandkids. Uh, How old are they? Uh, Avery is uh, three, and um, Sophia is, I think she's uh, 16 months. And then my daughter Priscilla has uh, a little girl, Olivia, she's three, and also... Um, Another daughter, her name is, uh, wait, 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 it's Aria. I got the names mixed up. Aria is, is three years old, and Olivia is, uh, I think she is, oh, maybe uh, 13 months or something like that. Wow, but, so they're really tracking together with those ages of the cousins. That's going to be a fun environment. Yeah, it really is. It really is. That's awesome. Wow, so they're all, uh, is your daughter close by as well, Priscilla, and her yeah. family? Her husband and family, they're in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. We get a chance to see them once or twice a year. Uh, but we, uh, we FaceTime each other, the, the grandkids FaceTime each other, so it's kind of funny watching that, that dynamic. Uh, so, uh, and again, it's all because of Jesus. Yep. It's all because of Jesus. Amen. 
That's awesome. Well, so how did you, so you got saved at, at, as a junior in high school, and how did you find your way to Liberty? Because I know you, you were there early on. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I got saved my, uh, my junior year in high school and played basketball and couldn't figure out why uh, I uh, wasn't getting scholarships like some of my friends were getting. And, and so my brother suggested that maybe uh, I go to prep school for a year. Yeah. So uh, I go and check that out. I end up getting shin splints. I never wow. got shin splints. I never got shin splints before that. I never got shin splints after that. So I come home <laughs> and still not, you know, knowing what's going on. Can't figure out why uh, some of my friends are getting scholarships and I'm not. And right. so uh, I ended up uh, going to a little storefront church. In the meantime, I've got a, a scholarship to a junior college. But this guy knew that I wanted to study the Bible. So he told me about this Bible school in Rhode yep. Island. So I go check it out. My 25 students, no gym class. So, you know, if, if there's no gym class, there's no basketball program. Right. Family thought I was nuts. But anyway, so so I went to uh, talk to the coach at the junior college, and uh, he said, okay, it's a one-year Bible school. We'll stay in touch. I go to the Bible school, and I just lose the desire to play basketball. So we have a pickup game. We're going to share our yeah. testimony during halftime. Yeah. And I didn't know the guy, but uh, uh, one of the professors knew him. He was the starting quarterback for the U.S. Navy football team. So we played the game, and and uh, he's on his way now to Lynchburg to go to prepare to uh, go to seminary to be a pastor. Right. He gets here. In Lynch, he gets here in Lynchburg. He meets the basketball coach, and uh, the basketball coach, hey, you know anybody might be able to help us out? <laughs> uh, they started giving scholarships. He said, "Well, I can't think of anybody, but if I do, I'll let you know." On the way back, my key thinks of me, and all of a sudden, man, I had never heard of Lynchburg in my life. Just <laughs> was enough to be a little nervous. But anyways, I got a phone <laughs> yeah. from the coach. Next thing I knew, I, I, I was offered a basketball scholarship here at back then Lynchburg Baptist College in 1974. Wow. So it's amazing, Mike, when I showed up for my official visit, I said, Coach, where's, where's, where's the dormitory? Where, where's, the, where's the basketball coach? He said, we're going to have it over there. We're going to have the dormitory. <laughs> I showed up, Mike, and there's nothing on this mountain but the mansion in a steel building. But God was in it. Yeah. Wow. So you, was that, was that the first year that, that Liberty played basketball, or had they gotten started before, or what was that all about? Well, Liberty, uh, the Lynchburg Baptist College started in 1971. Okay. I think they, uh, I think they had a team prior to me showing up in 74. But okay. 74 was the first time they offered scholarships uh, for student athletes, and and that's what I was able to get a basketball scholarship. Yeah. Now it's intriguing to me, Ed. You invest so much in players and young men. Um, you've you've mentioned one guy who said he knew you wanted to go to a Bible college and learn the Bible. Who invested in you along the way? When did that happen? Did that really? Did your faith really start to get deeper, and you were discipled when you were at Liberty, or? Or um, were there some, some other folks along the way that took a particular interest and saw that you were one of these faithful men who could teach others also? You know, Mike, that's a great question. Uh, I remember after I got saved, there were two guys in my life, Russell and John. Yeah. And I remember we were, we were having a Bible study, and I had just accepted Christ as my Savior. And I remember walking from that Bible study to my home, two blocks away from that where that Bible study was. Yeah. And the question that I was asking myself, did I make the right decision? And I can remember Russell walking me home after the Bible study, telling me as a brand new believer that I had made the right decision. And so right after I got saved, Mike, there were men. I remember I was playing in a summer league uh, basketball tournament. We were in the championship game. And, you know, when you get saved, God does major surgery, but everything doesn't change. Right. I remember the referee made a few bad calls, and I was a brand-new Christian, so I kind of told him what I thought. And I, <laughs> I can remember that John said, now, Ed, I know you got saved, but we got to do a little bit of – we, we, we got to clean up that – 
your 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 conversation. We got we got to take care of that language. But yeah. John and Russell, like from day one, took the time to teach me by the way they lived, and then to teach me uh, from the word. Now the interesting thing, Mike, after I got saved, I didn't know that I could go to a Christian bookstore and buy a Bible. Yeah. And so I remember I gave uh, John $40 for this Bible. He was going to send away for it. And for about, for about three or four months, Mike, we had theology notes that we used. And, and I'm glad that the theology was correct because it was basically those theology notes that I was using to grow in my faith until I got my Bible. But to answer your question, Russell and John were intentional about becoming a spiritual big brother for me. And I can say because of that, I got off on the right track. That is so critical. I, I just want to highlight a couple of things. These are two guys that you, you just you used the word, they were intentional. You said that they took the time you said that they taught you by the way that they lived and what they said, and they were clearly investing in you through the word. They were pouring their life into your life, and um, that started early in your walk as a believer. Because there's so many folks out there who have claimed the name of Christ decades ago but have never grown in their faith. And, boy, it takes someone to come alongside us to help us in that. And you know what's amazing, Mike? By the way, Russell is in heaven. He died about six months ago. But John is faithful in a local church teaching Sunday school. Wow. So, so, but what was interesting, though, Mike, God used what I saw in their lives to arouse my curiosity. Yeah. I went to church. I was religious. But there was something about the way they lived that aroused my curiosity. And, of course, I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know what they had until one day they told us what they had or who they had, and it was Jesus. But again, because of the way they lived prior to salvation and then seeing the confirmation after salvation, the consistency in the way they lived. Yeah, I call that a winsome witness because they, just by the very way they lived their lives, by the way they carried themselves, you were attracted to something that they had. There was something about them that seemed irresistible to you and you had to know more about it. Is that a fair way to characterize exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, one of the things I would comment on here is, and, and you've heard me say this, Ed, so this is... This is not um, a surprise. If some of you that don't know, uh, some of you do, some of you don't, but, but um, Ed has done workshops at our conferences since the very beginning of the Noble Warriors Conference Ministry. I mean, he's just been, he's been one of those guys that uh, many of the men know, they see, they enjoy hearing from him and, and are challenged by him. But I tell folks all the time that um, Ed is a guy, he really picked up on what Russell and John shared with him. Because I think about 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it, it says this, um, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. And, and the way I talk about that is there's some first Adams in our lives that when we see them, we know they're going to suck life out of us. But there are some Christ-like people that when they show up, man, things get better because you know these people are filled with Jesus. And um, so I tell folks my, that Ed Gomes is one of my favorite examples of this verse being lived out because when the door opens and Ed walks in, you know, here's a man who's bringing joy and delight and happiness and, and a word and a verse and an encouragement. And so what John and Russell showed to you, you have copied the same way that Paul said to follow me as I follow the example of Christ. So I just appreciate that about your spirit that... Um, Jesus oozes out of you. How, how, how does that happen? Why does that happen? You know, Mike, um, when we think of what Jesus has provided for us, yeah. you know, it's so easy for me to get caught up with me. Yeah. And so when I forget about me, and it's not about me, 
and I am focused on how can I be a blessing, how can I be an encouragement, then everything changes. And I tell folks around here, if I'm involved with something, there's going to be a laugh. If I'm involved in something, there is going to be a laugh. They, they, they laugh at me every day. Yeah. Uh, but, but when you don't care about yourself and you're paying attention to what's going on around you, I, I, I'm one of 11. I remember telling one of my sisters, we're at our best when we focus on others. And so, and so when we talk about discipleship, we talk about paying attention to those relationships and those connections that God is bringing our way and how does God want to use me to help someone else grow in their faith, uh, that's the difference. And so instead of, instead of waiting to be blessed, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to take the initiative to be a blessing. Yep. I think that's what, what's important. There you go. It's an it's a outward others focus that fills us because, because you started off that comment by saying, because when you think of what Jesus has done for us, why wouldn't we uh, seek to share that joy and uh, that encouragement with others? And so it fl it's an overflowing um, into the lives of others of good things. And, and, and that's true, Mike, because see, sometimes, you know, uh, we, we, we spend time worrying about who I am instead of just focusing on where God has me planted yeah. and being faithful where I'm at to make a difference. And, 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 and I think that's so important because sometimes, you know, there's a tendency to want to compare uh, what I'm doing with, 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 with what someone else is doing. And really, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Just be faithful. But Coach Freeze always tells us to stay in your lane. Yeah. Stay in your lane. So, so and you know what, Mike, in 21 years, as the, uh, the full-time uh, champion with football, in 21 years, not one coach or one player has come to talk to me about football. <laughs> there you go. And you know what, Mike? And I don't think it's ever going to happen. Now, someone's come and said, hey, pray for me. But I understand what my primary mission is. And my mission is to help our young men become intentional about their relationship with God and make an impact on our football team. There you go. So let's let's segue there and tell us how did you transition from playing on the basketball team in the mid seventies to now serving for you just said twenty one years so I guess it was nineteen ninety nine or somewhere in that range that you became the the full time chaplain for the football team so how how did that happen uh, and and what does that look like you know what's amazing Mike is my heart was always in ministry yeah. In fact, I came to preach in Carnival in 1995. I was serving with my wife's dad as an associate pastor in my hometown. And I came to preach in 95 in Convocation here at Liberty. And I said, you, on our way back, I said, God, you can't be talking to us about coming back. I wasn't looking. I was content. I was yeah. serving as a police chaplain. I was involved with local uh, nonprofits. Uh, God was blessing the ministry, great relationship with my wife's dad. And, and so... So we find ourselves coming back to Lynchburg. Well, my heart was always in ministry, and I wanted to be in the campus pastor's office, but uh, there just wasn't an opening, so I was serving as the dean of community students. I'm dealing with a football player, all campus students. Yeah. The football coach, head coach at that time, Ken Karcher, he said, hey, this is what we need for our football team. So my first thought was, you're going to be nuts, because if he gets fired, we're all going to get fired. I got job security. Why do I want to go and work for football? And, and not have job security. Right. Well, I, was reading, I was reading Rick Warren's book that week on yep. purpose in life, and he talked about shape of ministry. You know, when I looked at the shape of ministry, it was a no-brainer. So, so that's how I got involved in, in, in uh, sports chaplain ministry. Uh, uh, after the, the head coach said, this is what we need for our football team, and I've never looked back since. Wow. So what does that job look like as it stands right now? Let's let's move to the current because I, I know you've got an office in the football um, administration area. 
and you 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 work there. You're in team meetings. You travel with the team. Uh, what what does your job look like now as you invest in these young men? Man, I'll tell you what, Mike. I uh, I had an option of being upstairs on the second floor, or being actually in the same area where the training room is. Right. And so I am so glad that I'm where I'm at because I get a chance to see the guys who are in the training room rehabbing every single day. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't ask to be I couldn't ask to be at a, a, a better spot in in the in this facility here because I get a chance to be an encouragement to the kids. But for me, Mike, the bottom line is about serving. Yeah. It begins by me serving our head coach. It's not about what I want. It's me serving what he wants. We may not always agree on some fact, I went into his office not too long ago and made a suggestion. He said, you're probably get the word done. He said, Ed, you're probably not going to like this, but the answer is no. I said, so that's, no that's no problem because it's not about me. It's me serving our head coach. Right. To the coordinators. You know, I have a shoe shine box in my office. Now, my God, I don't know his kind language, but I can tell when a pair of shoes needs to be shined. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, for, for our first game, uh, Coach Freeze had this pair of shoes that really, they, they were they were sorry. <laughs> and, and he was contemplating whether he ought to get rid of them. I said, Coach, let me have them shoes. We'll resurrect them, and we'll give them a new life. And so, again, it's about serving. Yeah. So, so it, it's serving the coordinators, it's serving the assistant coaches, it's serving the support staff, it's serving the players. It's about service. So that's where it begins. So I'm always looking for an opportunity to serve. Remember I said, I'm not, I'm not looking for someone to get I'm going to take the initiative to bring someone out. So it begins with serving. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the coaching staff because uh, I feel like when you're a chaplain, you're, you, your focus primarily is on the athletes, but you really have a lot of investment opportunity with the coaches too, don't you? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, we just finished a 31-day uh, uh, prayer focus. As coaches, as staff, this was something that Coach Freeze asked us to join him on. So we just finished up 31 days of, 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 of prayer, praying specifically for something for 31 days. So we did that. Yeah. Anyways, um, so in, in this discussion uh, with our coaches is you have opportunities to build relationships. You know, uh, sometimes uh, the coach can help me to do my job uh, uh, in a better way. For example, I can't make our guys meet with me. Right. But I know if, if one of the coaches says, hey, I want you to meet with Ed Gomes, you know what's going to happen? They're going to meet with Ed Gomes. There you go. And so sometimes the coaches will throw the ball to me. Sometimes I'll throw the ball to them. Yeah. And sometimes we're working together so that we can, uh, we can help the young man understand that it's not just about playing football. It's right. not just about uh, getting a college education. It's not just about your spiritual life. It's not just about your social life. It's about looking at all four of those areas and asking God, what is going on in those four areas? Because sometimes you can have a guy that's excelling academically, he's excelling athletically, but he's bombing out socially and he's bombing out spiritually. Right. And that's what we call the whole person development model. So, so I can say, uh, uh, Mike, if we're recruiting your son, I can tell you as a dad that we got a game plan to help your son win academically. We got a game plan to help your son win athletically. We got a game plan to help your son win socially. And we got a game plan to help you win spiritually. That's the whole person. That's awesome. Now, so, so in doing that, um, you're working with these young guys. And now, Granted, Liberty is a Christian college. Your 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 motto is tr we're training champions for Christ. So you're looking well beyond what their athletic and collegiate career is going to look like. You're investing in young men who are going to 
be working somewhere someday. They're going to be leading a family, perhaps. They're going to be, uh, some of them are training to be pastors. How do you invest in them so that they are being trained up for what they're going to face 10 years down the road? This is great. We're talking about training faithful men. Yeah. But one of the outcomes is when I look at our guys, I'm not looking at where he's at right now, but where he's going to be when he graduates. Right. So, so my challenge is, hey, I want to, I want to invest in your life. I want to pour into you so that when you graduate and you're a member of a local church, you can go to the pastor and say, how can I be a part of what God is doing here in, in our church? Right. Oh, and sometimes it's easier for us to see something in somebody else than it is for them to see themselves. I mean, it's easier for us to see something in somebody than it is for that person to see it themselves. Sure. And so, and so our guys are in three groups, high interest, some interest, no interest. The guys that are in the high interest, these are guys who are intentional about their relationship with God. And right. so automatically, once we identify them, Mike, we have a, it could be a weekly or a bi-weekly meeting for discipleship. And how much is, sometimes it's me meeting with one guy, maybe it's two guys, maybe three guys, four guys the most. And basically what we do is, for example, if it's you and I, you pick the lesson in the discipleship uh, material that we're using. Right. And you can ask me any question you want about anything. So already we're talking about accountability. We're learning about accountability. So, so, so as we look forward and these guys graduate, and maybe uh, they're a part of a local church where you're at, because they've been in accountability, they know exactly what it looks like. Right. They know what it is. So they can be a part of that local church and be accountable with a men's group within that local church. And, and, and let me, so anyway, so talk all day. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're hitting it all. I got a, a couple of thoughts. So how do you, if you say a guy is hitting on all cylinders. You see he's, he's growing personally. He's invested in growing or he's interested in growing more. How, how do you get into those conversations? And, and what are some things that you're looking for or listening for, for those guys who are going to, in your estimation at this point, they're going to be the potential leaders, the movers and the shakers. These are guys that I, I think you do some sectional Bible studies that are led by team leaders and that sort of thing, I think, as well. So you're you're helping them learn how to lead. So uh, what are you looking for? A guy that's 18 to 23 years old is the pretty much the age range that you're looking at. And, and what are the qualities, the characteristics? Describe that guy that is going to be the faithful men who will teach others also. That's great. First of all, like you said, I've got to be looking. Yeah. i got to be paying attention to what is going on in the lives of our men. For example, right now, we have a spiritual leader in every position group except one. So this spiritual leader knows that one of his responsibilities as the spiritual leader of that position group is he has to pass the baton to somebody when he leaves. Well, so you're even teaching him to look for a leader. Oh, yeah. So, because because he knows that when he leaves, long before that, I'm going to be asking him, who is he going to pass the baton to? So he's preparing them for what it's going to be like to be the spiritual leader so, so once I identify that spiritual leader, him and I automatically commit to meeting for discipleship. Right. Now, uh, there are some things that I will uh, 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 that I will that I will teach him. There are some things that we will go through. Uh, uh, we call it like building a legacy. It's the student guide for discipleship that right. I primarily use with our guys. That that's that's our primary resource. But we have other resources such as. Uh, 33 men and other other uh, 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 resources that we use to help our young men grow in their relationship. But the, so the first thing we do is we identify the leader, and I pour into them. I teach them how to utilize the way that God's designed them because in that position group, 
they have the same three groups. Higher church, coming to influence them. So one of the responsibilities of the spiritual leader is to identify guys who are in that position group, and once he identifies guys that are in high interest, what they do is they pray with each other, they pray for each other, and then they pray for those other guys in that position group. And then they focus on, through servant leadership, building relationships yeah. so that they can earn the right to speak into the lives of those guys that are in the some interest and the no interest. In the meantime, I'm building relationships with these guys that are in the some interest and the no interest. And we're having a man to, I'll give the example. Yesterday, there were three guys. They, they're adding value academically. They're adding value athletically. They're adding value socially. But the question that I have for these three guys, and these guys are leaders on our football team. I said, guys, I believe that God wants to use you guys to step up and provide greater spiritual leadership. And we had a man-to-man -man conversation. Many times, Mike, the reason why guys don't get involved in discipleship or in men's ministry is because sometimes nobody asks them. Right, or nobody right. is in a conversation with them. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll just take a little little bit of a sideline here. We have a tendency to ask people to volunteer and raise their hands and that sort of thing, but you don't find that happening in the Bible very often. Um, more often than not, men are intentionally prayed out and selected because of something that is seen in them or or uh, there is some personal approach. And um, so I just uh, agree with you, and, and I'm – in my mind, I'm thinking about football players that, you know, these are sizable guys. These are athletic studs. But I got to believe that when you approach one of those guys and say, hey, I see something in you that I believe God wants to develop for his purpose and his glory, I think you can see even these great big guys grow another couple of inches and stand up a little bit straighter because they're being tapped, their shoulders being tapped by <laughs> – by the Lord of Lords, and um, they're getting called to something different. And so, man, that just makes a man grow. It makes him stand up, makes his spine straight and stiff. And um, so I, I just think that that's part of what you're getting to see as you approach these young men with this invitation to lead. Yeah, and you know, Mike, it's about relationship. Yeah. You know, I may see one of our players today and say, hey, let me ask you a question. Has anybody told you that they love you today? Hmm. Or it might, it might, uh, it might mean me, hey, where, where's your dad right now? Yeah. So I said, let's get on the phone, and I'll call his dad and say, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know that this young fella, your son, is adding value to our football team. Wow. You know, sometimes I might, a guy who's dating a young lady, I'll ask him for his girlfriend's father's telephone. And I will call the father and tell that dad that this is the kind of guy that I would want to date my daughter. And if you have a problem with him, you let me know, and him and I will have a conversation. Wow. Our relationships. Yeah. And so when, when people really know, Mike, that we really are interested in them, and we, we're not just – uh, trying to make us look good, but when we're really committed to investing our time and our talents and our abilities in the in the life of someone else, it's amazing what what God will do as we do that. Well, that's that becomes what's irresistible is uh, when when people see and and hear from someone who want to make them better and they they love them genuinely then uh, they're drawn to that. That's what drew you to Russell and John. That's what draws people to Ed Gomes. And, um, boy, we, we need to all pray that God will help us to do a better job with that, I think. so. And you know what's amazing, Mike, as we talk about the local church? It's, it's me paying attention to what God is trying to do in our local church and through our local church. Yeah. So if I'm involved 
in a men's ministry. God has me there with purpose. Right. And you know what? Everybody's got a story. Yeah. Every single one of us have a story. And I tell guys that the key is letting God take our story so that he can make it his story so that we can help someone else with their story. That's right. And so when I'm involved in local church ministry, it's me just taking my story and allowing God to use my story to encourage someone else. And and you build relationships. You know, That's I have right. an accountability partner that I, I've been meeting with for the last, well, this guy, last 14, 14 years. We meet every Friday. Right. And I'm not missing that time for nothing because in that relationship, in that accountability, Mike, I'm able to talk about life. Right. And I think sometimes our student athletes feel like, you know, they can't talk to anybody. Or or maybe that maybe they're going through something that only they're going through. But when, when we engage in conversations with other people, they get a chance to see the humanness of us. Right. It opens up the door to have dialogue. Well, and that hits on one of the questions that I was I was going to ask you about. I think a lot of when you, you mentioned the church and men's ministry, men's discipleship. I have lots of uh, leaders in local churches that say, hey, "Hey, Mike, can you help us understand how to reach younger men? We know we're missing the mark with them." And um, so, what you've part of what you've just outlined is uh, developing a relationship asking them to hear, to, to, to tell their story. And sometimes that starts by you telling your story and being vulnerable and honest with your own story and how Christ has worked in your life. Um, and it, being willing to spend time with them. What, what else should the local church be aware of to reach young men who are in the, in the kind of the demographic that you are working with these, these 18 to 22, 25 year olds, what, what other advice do you have for the local church in that? You know, one of the things that I would say, Mike, is first of all, if you're a part of a local church and you're not involved in men's ministry, you're not involved in local church ministry, what I would do is go to, it could be the pastor, it could be yep. one of the associate pastors, it could be one of the directors of, of men's ministry, and, and first of all, just make yourself available. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, how can I serve you in what God is doing here through our church? Right. The first thing you do is you take the initiative. Don't wait for them to come to you. You take the initiative to go to that person who is a part of the local church because there has to be accountability. Just right. like I tell our guys sometimes, Mike, you know, they're involved in other ministries. And I say, hey, I don't mind you being involved with, with other ministries, but can you help us do the ministry right here? Yeah. Can you make this your primary ministry? Like, right. for example, my primary ministry is football. Now, I help sometimes with basketball or baseball or track, but my primary ministry is football. So, right. so get back to the local church. So the first thing you do is you make yourself available because God is providing the, the wisdom and the direction through the leaders in your church. And then you become a part of what God is doing. And really what it is, it's about seeing a need and meeting it. Yeah. It's about identifying a need and meeting it. You know, maybe you might be, you might be an auto mechanic. So maybe what you're going to do, you're going to take a group of kids, you're going to take a group of young men, and you're going to take your automotive abilities, and you're going to teach them how to change a tire, how to change. So you take your giftedness, Right. And you make yourself available to meet the needs in the church, and God uses you, and then you tell him that the investment that you're making in him, he's going to find somebody that he's going to invest in, and they just keep rolling. It's That's like right. a domino effect. That's right. God uses multiplication, not addition. He's, he's looking for us to multiply the kingdom. Hmm. And you know, Mike, and when I, find, when I make myself available for God to use me, that's exactly what he does. And you know what's crazy is the reason why sometimes even our guys on our football team won't get involved in spiritual uh, discipleship or just like men in the church is because they've allowed themselves to believe a lie of the devil. Yeah. 
if being involved in ministry was based on having it all together, I know one thing, I'm not going to be in it. Right. So it's not about having it all together. It's about moving in the right direction. So when I look at our spiritual leaders, I'm asking, what direction is he moving in? I'll give you an example, Mike. I had to remove one of my spiritual leaders because he made a bad choice. Yeah. But you know what I told him? I'm looking forward to rein, uh, reinstating you back to that position because I know that's not who you are. And yeah. so the day came when I restored him back to his position as a spiritual leader of that position group. And so it's, 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 it's getting involved in people's lives. It, it, it's looking at where they can be and not where they're at. And, and that's, the, that's the fun part. Well, you, you know, I can't help but think of an illustration with your story about the coach's shoes. Um, because the coach said, hey, I think I need to, sh to throw these shoes away. And and Ed Gomes said, no, give me those shoes. And and let me polish them. And, and, and part of what you said was I, I brought new life to to these shoes. And I think so many times we end up with a a throwaway mindset with people. And we have to be so careful with that because that is not at all what Jesus modeled for us. Um, he's the redeemer. And um, so they're, they're, that's just what he's about is redemption, restoration, and, and bringing people back, um, not discarding folks who have made a mistake or who have uh, stepped in a particular place or um, just creating opportunities for them to return to the fellowship and the family. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. One of the th questions I want to ask all the guys who uh, I, I, I talked to on the podcast this month is about what I call the Demas Dilemma. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy says, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, Demas was with Paul on some of the missionary journeys. He, he was close. He was in the inner circle, but the world distracted him and pulled him away. Ed, you've probably dealt with some Demas situations, some folks who've been pulled away by the world, and that hurts. And I, and I think every man who's ever invested in men has been hurt by one of these situations. Tell us a quick story, no names or anything of, of a situation like that. And how do you reconcile that as you continue to invest in other men? Do you find it discouraging or do you, how do you keep going? Well, first of all, you know, where, where would I be if, if people had given up on me? Right. You know, I remember one time, Mike, I was, uh, I was a point guard in high school, and I remember going down the court. It was a three-on-one, and I was drawing the, the, the defensive guy to, the, to my uh, right, his left, and I was going to throw the ball through my legs and hand it, I mean, throw it to the guy on the left-hand side. Yeah. Well, I, I started moving towards the right. The, the defensive guy was moving in the direction I wanted him to move, and so I put the ball between my legs. Well, the ball ended up in the balcony. <laughs> the thing I heard was, ah. now, Mike, um, my coach wasn't a Christian, and he told me what to do with that pass. <laughs> now, you know, sometimes when you hear the buzz, you don't look to the side because you know it's not you. Yeah. But when I heard, ah. Mike, I just automatically went to the bench. Now, the question is, did I need anybody to remind me of the mistake that I just made? No. And so, Mike, when when someone that we're working with fumbles, stumbles, our response is, God, how do you want to use me to help this person get back on their feet? Right. And sometimes, you know, I call this the hammer and chisel principle where sometimes God will use a person, God will use a situation to shape and mold us into the person that, that God wants us to become. And so right now it might mean that he might be on the back burner. Right. But I'm convinced that, that God wants to use, one, that situation to bring a person to Christ. And so we talk about salvation. 
or to help that person become more like Christ. Now, if I'm reaching out like I should be and the person isn't open, we always keep the door open. Yeah. And what we do is we continue to bathe that person in prayer. Right. We bathe them and we never give up on them. We just bathe them in prayer and every so often. It could be a note, it could be a call, it could be a text, it could be something on uh, Facebook. We just stay in touch with them to let them know, hey, I was thinking about you, I love you, and if anything changes, I want you to know that I'm always available for you. Because sometimes, sometimes somebody has to hit the bottom of the barrel. Sometimes they have to hit rock bottom. Right. And that's what it takes. So we never give up on them. We pray for them. Yeah. We stay in touch with them. And we just trust God that he's going to use somebody else in that person's life to help him. Because you and I know that the devil is going to gain. And all he wants to do is destroy. So we're aware of that. So those are some of the things uh, that uh, that I do when I have a young man who maybe has made a, a bad decision or who is not open. Uh, I'm always looking for an opportunity to have a honest man-to-man right. conversation with him about what is going on in his life. Great. That's huge. Um, hey, let me ask you one more question. Last month, our focus was on purity. The noble man walks in sexual integrity. Uh, we are living in a time when um, our, our culture, our, our people of all ages are just being bombarded with um, sexual distractions. So we're talking about young men. We're t- uh, now, I know it's a, it's a Christian school, Christian campus, but I also know that the internet is broad and accessible. And um, how do you help these young men these young men walk with sexual integrity. How do you talk about that to uh, this particular issue with these young men who are in an age bracket, they're in a time of life when, man, their blood is pumping, hormones are, are surging through their bodies. At, um, how do you have candid man-to-man conversations with them about such a critical issue? That's a great question, Mike. And first of all, it begins with me. It begins with me being the man that God wants me to be. Right. It begins with me uh, disciplining my mind and my eyes and my heart and uh, those things that I look at. So first of all, it begins with me being who God wants me to be. And I'm very honest with our guys. I say, hey, guys, you know what? I remember one time, man, I was, I was praying, God, help me to be holy in my thoughts. And all of a sudden, my, my prayer time became a time of confession. Yeah. Because I allowed my eyes to go where my eyes shouldn't have gone. Right. And so, so I said, guys, that became a time of confession for me. And then I get a chance to bounce my eyes. I get a chance to, to, to discipline my eyes. And right. so it begins with me being honest with them about the challenges that I face, even as a married man. Right. That, that, that if I'm going to ask our guys, is there anything that you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at, and I'm looking at something that I, how am I going to ask them that question? Right. And so, and so we talk very honestly about it, Mike. The other thing is I tell our guys, hey, guys, it doesn't make a difference where you're at in life, where you're at in your relationship. There's two things that you've got to have a game plan for. One is temptation, and the second one is conflict. Temptation ain't going away. And so you put yourself, for example, in this accountability. It's you and I. Let's say you've got a girlfriend. So I'm going to say, Mike, in the last seven days, how have you exercised self-discipline in the physical aspect of your relationship with your girlfriend? Right. That it's, it's honest, honest questions. And I think when they see the honesty on my part or on your part, they say, hey, man, man I'm normal. Yep. I said, hey, guys, I, I, was, I, was, I was talking to some guys the other day about uh, being the men that God wants us to be. I remember telling the guys, man, 
after I got saved, my background was Roman Catholic, and I began to talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible, and so I wanted to show my boys that I still could have a conversation with a young lady. So they thought I was going to become a priest. And so I ended up having this conversation with this young lady. We we move away from the crowd, and I begin to make a move, and she says to me, she said, I ain't kidding you. <laughs> and I never told the boys. So they would have said, you, 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 I, I, I'm convinced you're going to be a priest because you can't even get a girl to kiss you. Oh, I, I tell the guys who stop by, I go visit my girlfriend, and in, in, uh, she was going to school in Indiana. The guy on the basketball team, and he bought his automobile. So I parked the automobile, Mike, in two places where there was no lights. Yeah. Now you know, ain't going to read no Bible. So I said, <laughs> don't read no Bible. Now we already knew that we were not going to get involved sexually, but you know, you can go a whole lot further. So I'm going, guys, why am I asking you that question? Because I don't want you to make the stupid mistake that I made. That's right. It's man to man, honestly, but it begins with me. Guys, yeah. my commitment to you is I'm committed to living by example. And then, Mike, when our guys blow up, and sometimes our guys do, sometimes our guys may be involved with a young lady and she gets pregnant. Yeah. That's real life. And so what yeah. I try to do is I try to help these guys be men. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I tell them, I'm convinced that you can have a godly relationship with a young lady, but you're not excluded from temptation and you're not excluded from conflict. So, so if a guy has an issue with pornography, if a guy has an issue with whatever it may be, we're going to come up with a biblical game plan Yep. to help him discipline his heart and his mind so that he can have victory in whatever area he might be struggling with. A biblical game plan. And, and you know, one of the things that, Ed, as I think about this, and I'm watching the time, I know I, I need to bring this to a close. You know, it, it strikes me that the guys who are going to stay close and continue in conversations and engage, even when it's hard, when they're going to be willing to show up, they're going to be present, even though they make mistakes, um, even though they have questions, those are the guys whom God can do some work with. Um, and so those ultimately become the faithful men who can lead and they will lead because they've seen Christ work in their lives. They felt redemption. They know what that feels like. They understand forgiveness. They've experienced grace and mercy. They've had other men pour into their lives. And so because of those blessings that have come from Christ, often through other men, they know how to invest that way in yet other men. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and to piggyback on that, Mike, I'm a member of a local church. Yeah. I've got experiences, good experiences, bad experiences. But when I put myself in a position to make myself available for God to use me, God has a way of taking my story and helping someone else with it. That's him. right. And see what the devil does, the devil gets me to believe, he gets me to talk myself out of getting in the ball game. Because how in the world is God going to use what I went through? Well, that's a trick of the enemy. Yeah, for sure. One thing, I don't want to press for time, but you know, I, I, one of the things I noticed, uh, the questions had to do with, with this, that there's such racial tension in our, yeah. in our, in our, our nation. And you know, Mike, all lives matter. Mm. And the reason why I say that is that Jesus died for everybody. That's right. And when I make everybody's life matter, there may be some things that we may disagree on, and the biblical response is to have dialogue. Yeah, exactly. It's to engage in conversation. It's to get to know that person that I don't know. Right. But if we keep it Christ-centered, if we keep it Christ-focused, then we won't go down some rabbit trail and alienate others who Jesus died for. So I guess, I guess my, my, my point I'm making is all lives matter because that's the way Jesus looked at life. That's, 
I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I saw um, some guys with a shirt on the other day that said, your life matters. And um, one of the things that struck me about that is you look at Jesus having interactions with various people, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the, the Pharisees, um, their lives, even though he was at odds with them in some cases with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, their lives mattered to him in those moments. I mean, he ultimately died for everyone, I agree. But when he was speaking with someone, that person's life and that person's story mattered immensely right then. And I think one of the things that we can practice is making sure that we are communicating that to people that we're in conversations with and to have those conversations and to, to get to know people rather than living on the surface all the time. Yeah, and, and I, just, I just use... You and I, yeah. we, we're, we're two different colors, and I can say from day one, the thing that has brought us together, the thing that has unified us, is not our color of our skin, but rather it's been Jesus. Yep. And so when we are engaging in conversation and Jesus becomes the focal point like he has been, we have a relationship and we can ask each other those tough questions. That's right. But Jesus is the one that brings us together. That's right. Well, listen, as we, as we bring this to a close, I've got a couple of books in my hand, the author of whom is Dr. Ed Gomes. I've got um, Building a Legacy is Your Student Guide for uh, athletes, athlete, Discipling Athletes or Young People, I think. And then there's a Leader's Guide for that called Leaving a Legacy. So Building a Legacy and Leaving a Legacy. And then, um, and then I've also got a more recent book called Discipleship for Student Athletes. We're going to put links to those in our show notes, but just uh, very briefly, tell us about what's in those resources and how it might be helpful to anyone who's working with young people trying to disciple young folks. And I don't even necessarily think they have to be athletes because the questions uh, that are dealt with here about character and integrity and leadership are, are pretty universal. So give us, give us a little bit of an idea about what we might find in these resources, Ed. Mike? They're just tools that you can take and tailor make them for who you're ministering to. Right. And so these are everyday life issues that young people face, not just as student athletes, but as just people. Right. That you can take as a platform and use to build into truth into their life. That's all it is. It's not about you know you you you're 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 a you're a you're a construction you got you got the you know you got the skill saw you got the jigsaw you got the right. baby saw it's just about having the right tools to do the job so that's all these are good tools yeah and there is scripture references on every page i'm flipping through them right now and so uh guys these are great resources for you if you are looking for discipleship resources that help you leverage um god's word dealing with specific topics so well Ed, thank you so much for your presence with us. I'm going to ask you one final question. Looking back over your decades of investing in young men, especially and specifically looking for those faithful men, tell us about what brings you the greatest joy in doing that. The greatest joy is seeing our young men walk in truth. For example, hmm. two weeks ago, I talked to a young man that has thought about making a decision that was not a good decision. Yeah. And he listened and he said, you know what? I hadn't looked at life from that perspective. And it would have ruined his testimony. So wow. the greatest joy for me, Mike, is to see young men, whether they're youth pastors, whether they're in finances, whether they're uh, coaches, whether they're teachers, or whether they're medical doctors, is taking the truth that was invested into them and them taking the truth and investing in others. That's the greatest joy of what I do. That's that whole multiplication thing there. So, wow. Good stuff. Well, Dr. Ed Gomes, chaplain of the Liberty Flames football team, thanks so much for being with us. I appreciate your time and, uh, 
Go Flames. I know you guys have got a game on Saturday you'll be prepping for. And so uh, just appreciate your investment in those young men and your investment in us and our listeners today. So thank you, Dr. Gomes. Okay, Mike. I love you. And always enjoy to do something with you, brother. I love All you. Right. I love you too. Thanks so much. Well, folks, this uh, brings to a conclusion episode 30 of the, or 29 of the Noble Man podcast. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have episode 30. Again, the same theme, the Noble Man invests in faithful men. Our guest is going to be Carrie Bates. Carrie was a pastor who pulled me aside and said, I see something in you and I want to invest in you. And so I was not the first or the last young man that he invested in, but Carrie made a difference in my life. And so we're going to get to talk to him on next week on episode 30. God bless you, man. Thanks for joining us for the Mobile Man Podcast.